San Francisco 49ers deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff farm going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Gruden, Walgren, Bill Belichick were all students of Bill Walsh. Don't ever forget. I'm Lee Gowland. I'm Brian Davis. And this is the 49er Fearful UK Show. Hi guys and welcome to the 49 at Faithful UK Therapy Show. On today's show we are going to be aiming for closure on a disappointing end to what was a fantastic season, which none of us expected. Today I'm joined by Naji Karar, Brian Davis and Gareth Ellis. Hello fellas. Hello. Evening. Evening. Hi Lee. So... At the weekend, we had the second annual Super Bowl meetup hosted by Grosvenor Casinos, Newcastle. And I think it's fair to say it was a rousing success. We had 31 members attend from all corners of the UK and a lucky few of them left with some gifts sent across to us by the San Francisco 49ers. We had arranged for a private room with reserved tables and a bar, meaning that we didn't have to queue long to get drinks during the game. And we also placed four GoPros throughout the room to record footage of the night. Footage that I haven't had a chance to view yet, so I'm not sure how good that was. Right, let's get into the game. The 49ers were beaten by the Chiefs 31-20 in a game that we largely dominated for three quarters and seven minutes. The first half talking points was Jimmy's interception. Kyle's clock management and John Lynch's reaction in the box to that clock management and Kittle's offensive pass interference flag. So let's start with Jimmy's interception. Firstly, was this an attempted pass or was Jimmy trying to throw the ball out of bounds? Yeah, for me, I think he was trying to get it out of bounds. At the time, I was thinking, oh God, there it is. There's Jimmy's boneheaded throw of the day. Uh, but watching it back, I think he, he does genuinely try to get it out of bounds. But I think sometimes he's just got to eat the sack, hasn't he, and not try and force that scenario uh, happening. Uh, just regroup and go again. Um, yeah, it was disappointing. It, I, I don't know if we want to cover Jimmy now, but it was a kind of he was having a good day, um, other than the the two picks. The, the second of which was he was just going for it, wasn't he? So th- those things tend to happen. And unfortunately, I, I was, you know, the biggest day of his career, it wasn't good enough to just sort of be, to be Jimmy. He needed to be good Jimmy to win. And he kind of turned in a average to good, goodish day. And I think because of the misses and the picks, uh, at one point, watching it back, he was sat at, 18 or 21 for 195 with one touchdown and one picks, which if he, if he goes on and makes three or four more com- completions in that fourth quarter, he, he probably gets the yeah. MVP unbelievably. Um, and I, I do think that the helmet to helmet hit, which we'll probably talk about at some point later on is probably hindered him somewhat in that fourth quarter. Yeah, I agree. I think he was trying to get rid of it. Um, I think it was probably a poor decision to do it. So I think you'd maybe better off, throwing it in somebody's feet or some, you know, to the ground. Or even, as Brian said, just, just take the sack. It's, it's not the end of the world, especially especially on, early on in a game like this. Um, yeah. But he's been, he's been prone to do that. He's, you know, as much as people think he's an eight-year vet, he's, this is his first full season as a QB, and um, he's, still, he's still growing. You know, he's, he's got as many starts as, you know, Sam Darnold and, and, and Baker Mayfield and 
so uh, I'm expecting to see kind of uh, what they call rookie mistakes. So uh, yeah, it's a shame, uh, but you'll learn from it, I'm sure. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about the, the helmet helmet. I don't think it was quite right after that. Um, but yeah, he's had a, he had an average average day as as the rest of the Niners, I think. Um, and we will definitely talk about what it. What was your view of the interception, Gareth? It came, it came up towards the end of the regular season, I think, where Jimmy got sacked, I think it was five or maybe even six times in the game. And, and there was a lot of calls for, why doesn't Jimmy throw the ball away? Why does he <laughs> and, and as soon as that happened, I, I had to give a little smug smile to myself and think, well, that's why you don't throw the ball away, because that's what happens. As soon as the ball leaves your hand, it's in danger. Um, and you're right. That's that's where you you just you take it. You you stare down the pressure and you eat the sack. You tuck the ball in uh, and and not throw it away. Particularly, he didn't have a close receiver. He couldn't throw it directly to the sideline. You've got to throw it in the, at least the rough direction of a receiver. Yeah. Uh, and he had no one particularly close. So you know we saw what happened. His his arm got knocked. I think just as he as as he um, threw the ball. Um, and it wobbles out of there, and as soon as it's in the air like that, it's anyone's ball, um, yeah. and that's what happens. So, uh, but I, I'm I'm not going to knock him too much on that. That that happens. Uh, they got pressure, uh, and o- overall, I think he, he he had a reasonably good game. As as you've said, he he had some quite chats into the third quarter. I think we lost a little bit of composure at the end, uh, and that that hindered it. The only thing I can really think of was the the, the deep ball to Sanders right at the end that he overthrew, mm. uh, but far better to overthrow it than underthrow it. Um, he he's he's a he's a first year player effectively. Uh, I'm not going to be too hard on him. I thought I thought he did really well and I thought he led the offense well and has done all season. So it's one game. Yeah, if you look at it, he's kind of going into his second full year now, isn't he? Or yeah. if you if you take away the injured year, his third year, but it really is his second year as a starter or the non-injured starting quarterback. So to me, he he has to get better, and hopefully he will only get better. Um, watching it back um, earlier on, he did have receivers open all night long, and he just never got to them in his progression, or he just flat out missed them. Those are things that on the biggest stage of all you can't do. Those are things which hopefully over the course of this offseason and into next season, when we go back to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl next year, he will iron those problems out. Um, and I just think with, we'll probably cover this as well, but I just think at times he didn't go, or him and Kyle didn't go to Kittle often enough. I think Debo was used extent, not, yeah, quite extensively in the first half, but not enough in the second half. And I, I don't think most of it was u- utilised in the best way either. Um, and he was 0 for 3 on third down in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, yeah and, and that the, the third and 10 pass to Sanders as well. If, if he makes that pass, it's the stuff of legend. And I wasn't a big fan of that call at the time. I'd have probably taken some a little bit shorter, maybe... Eight, nine, ten—you know—go to the chains, maybe. But it's hard to argue against that when that play's already come off this season in games. So he's damned if he do does, and he's damned if he doesn't sometimes. And I think the same is for for Kyle on probably some of the other stuff that we're going to talk about shortly Sanders as well. Pull up a little bit too early on that throw. Yeah, the long the throw. Long he, he seemed to spend a lot the... of time looking over his shoulder no, for it, rather than trusting where it was going to land. Uh, no, because. 
he's, he's, uh, he's, it's, he's running a post, so he's not even supposed to be where he is this deep. I think he, he had to readjust when yeah. Jimmy let it go. Um, so I, f- I think, and then when it's in the air, like that, it's, it's difficult to gauge exactly, you know, speed-wise. And he's, he's got two two guys chasing him. So Yeah, some double coverage on him. Yeah, and you, you don't know where the lights are in that stadium, and maybe he lost it for a split second, and then it's it's difficult to adjust. And you know those balls fly; they they go fast. If you if you miss one step, you'll you'll be two yards short. No, I, I don't think so. I don't know. It's uh, he was quite upset when somebody asked him at the end of the game. I don't know if it was because obviously he just lost the Super Bowl, or if he, but he called the question a bit stupid. So I I, I don't know. I don't think so. I've, as Gareth said, I'd rather see a, an overthrow on that play and get a chance of fourth down rather than an underthrow and then it's picked and it's then it's definitely over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, the the things that Jimmy needs to to clean up in his game, which is yeah, miss maybe missing those open receivers through the progression uh, and the few daft inter- interceptions where he's failed to read the defence in front of him. That's what every rookie quarterback goes through. He's yeah. fun are absolutely sound and you only yeah. polish up those little bits with game time yeah, uh, and he's had it this season and I fully expect him to be 5-10% better next season yeah yeah, I agree Couldn't ok agree then more. so on to Kyle's clock management or lack of it with 1 minute 43 left on the clock at the end of the first half Andy Reid had already called some aggressive players in the first half for the Chiefs going for it on 4th and 2 was Kyle far too conservative with his play calling during the game? And do you think this his aggressive play calling against the Patriots in Super Bowl 51 was the driving force behind this approach? Well, first of all, I'd like to say that I've, I've already had enough of hearing about this, the, <laughs> the, the Patriots game and this game. Um, the Patriots game wasn't his fault. He was the OC and their defense lost that game. Uh, there was questionable calls, but he still put them in the fourth quarter with a great drive and some great passes to all the Jones to put them in a chance to win it. So, uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> um, and I don't think it's the play calling itself lost the Super Bowl. Uh, I think it was more of an overall team performance, which is what we've been doing all season. We've been good together and average together. Um, but, yeah... Um, I've just watched the, the the press conference or a little bit of it anyway, and he said he's redone the film of of the game a thousand times in his head, and I'm sure he's done probably more than that. And he would have called exactly the same play. No, so so I'm gonna I'm gonna I would have said yes before listening to him, but I'm gonna say no now because because I trust him. He had a plan, he stuck to it, which is really really difficult when things start getting wrong and you don't get the calls that you like. Um, but he stuck to it, and, and you know we were ten points up, and there was seven minutes to go. If we make a couple of more plays and win the Super Bowl twenty-seven to ten, we call this a beat down and and the greatest you know what the greatest coach of of the year or something. So no, I'm not I'm not overly overly concerned about the clock management at that point and uh, and the play calling. Gareth, do you share that view? Um. But well, parts of it, I suppose. It, it incredibly frustrated me at the time. I've I've listened to Shanahan's explanation, uh, and you know he's he's right. He's he's basically said I I wanted to leave absolutely no chance that uh, Mahomes was going to get back on the field before the end of the half to make sure that we finished 
the half with possession and got the ball uh, in the third quarter. I think we're, when you look at it that way, there's it's difficult to say that it's a, it's the wrong call. It's, it's certainly difficult to say that it's a it's a bad call. From my perspective at the time, we had just driven down the field with that offensive drive where I think we got a first down on almost every play, got mm-hmm. the touchdown. Uh, our offense was hot. We were we were in rhythm. We were purring along, and then our defense stopped uh, the Chiefs on the next possession, and we had the ball back with with maybe one forty on the clock. I think I w- w- wanted to see us look at that as an opportunity to say, look, we've got loads of time. Let's stuff them. They're on the ropes. Let's use our advantage and let's go for them. Um, and and Kyle's view, I think, was was a bit cautious. It, it concerns me because he's worried about letting Mahomes get back on the field, which means he doesn't trust his offense to hold the ball for one minute 40. Um, and that's, he, I'm sure he would disagree with that assessment, but I think it's, it's difficult to, for me to get away from that, that we, we, we have them on the ropes and we should have pressed that advantage. Um, and I think sometimes in a game, it's not a choice between a, 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 a Good call and a bad call, there were potentially two good calls you can make. And one of them was safe. Uh, and I think one of them was the bolder call to, to actually go for it, to drive down the field, to, to use that one minute 40 to our advantage. Um, as you said, Andy Reid went for it in a couple of fourth downs. He trusted his offense to get the to get it done. Um, and, it, and it made me think of the Eagles game, fourth and one. The right call was probably for the Eagles to kick that field goal and Doug Peterson calls up Philly Special instead. Um, and that's that's the difference. And I would have liked to have seen us gone for that because we had that momentum. I understand Kyle's decision. Uh, I'll also admit that he probably knows more about managing football games than I do. <laughs> it was it was disappointing for us sitting there because I thought, right, we're, we're well up for this. Our offence is well up for this. And I think you could see it a little bit with the offence. When they came back on the field, they were like, what, we're not going to get a chance to go again? I think the Chiefs would have gone off that field at half time, feeling like they got away with one. Uh, and we should have pressed that advantage. But that's it. You're right. I don't want to hear any more about it now. <laughs> well, I'm going to do my bit and then we're done with it. But yeah, um, I didn't really understand what was going on there. I think we were all sort of looking around the room at each other as if to say, what the hell was going on? Um and, and yeah, you watch that press conference back today and you kind of assess the situation when you step back and look at it and you say, yeah, fair enough. But like Gareth rightly says at the time, you've got the ball, you've got two minutes left, you get the ball back to start the second half as well. If you put together two scoring drives there, that game could be so, so different. Um, like like we've said there, I'm not sure if Carl fully trusted Jimmy to, to go and get him the points there with that play call in. But I think in that situation, you've got to go down to your tried and tested plays, go to your tried and tested receivers, at least try and force the issue to to try and get a couple of first downs in that situation. Use your timeouts or at least use a couple of timeouts and sort of reevaluate the, the situation there. And I think just taking the two timeouts into the locker room was kind of inexcusable, really. Um, that that was my, my kind of thinking then it, it maybe probably still is more inclined to feel that way now. Um, unfortunately, Carl's going to have to live with that decision for the rest of his career now. And until he actually wins the Super Bowl, he's 
he's got both of these ghosts hanging over him now, whether people like it or not, regardless of, of what we say about him being the OC or, or the, the head coach, yeah. <laughs> they're still both going to be over him. And, and you know, Andy Reid, it took him to what he was, how old is he now? 61 to win a Super Bowl. Let's, you know, let's hope it don't take Kyle that long to get a Super Bowl. But I, I can genuinely see a game next season where we're, we might have, say, a 20-24 point lead at halftime. And by the end of the game, he's going to have to go out and win it by 45 or 50 points to show the league that he means business and that he's going some way to exercising these demons and he isn't afraid to just basically not call the dogs off when the game is dead and buried and beyond you know, any form of competitiveness. He just needs to, you know, fourth down in your own half, he's still going for it. You know, he, he just needs to do that and, and just give someone an absolute shack in next season and, and just say, right, screw you, screw everybody. This is this is what we're doing now. This is me. Will, will that happen? I don't know. I'd like to think it will happen against somebody at some point. We've got the players to be that explosive and just put up that many points, which we've seen this season a couple of yeah, times. I'd like to see that as well. So, during the final minute of the first half, we had our first officiating decision go against us. This was the uh, the huge catch by Kittle, which was called back for offensive pass interference. In a game where the officials had allegedly been directed by the NFL to allow the teams to play, hence no holding calls being flagged for either side during the game. Was the offensive pass interference harsh? Absolutely, I think. Um, it's that letter of the law. Some of the pundits were saying, "Well, yes, it's it is a, it is a pass interference," but uh, that happens all the time. You know, the play, players are touching each, each other in in this contact all the time. So, you know, it was it, it wasn't huge. He didn't throw him off balance. He didn't push him to the floor. Uh, he, he he maintained his separation. I would say. Um, the whole pass interference stuff. When I started watching the game in the in the late eighties and, and early nineties, this this never seemed to come up. Receivers and cornerbacks were, were practically wrestling. Uh, and, and look at the career Jerry Rice had during those sort of times. Um, I, I don't know what else to to add to it. Really, it was it was incredibly frustrating at the time. Uh, I guess the referees can say, well, that's 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 how the laws lit written. But we, in which case, you're going to get a pass interference on 50% of throws in games, uh, and that's that. No right. one thoughts. So. Yeah, I think it was horse crap call. If you, if you look back at the Carl Rudolph one a couple of weeks ago, he catches that game-winning touchdown for something, which was a, probably a similar kind of amount of of touching. It, there was hardly anything in it. I don't think that Kittle gained a huge advantage with that. As Gareth says, there's there's hand fighting going on all the time. It is the Super Bowl. You haven't hardly flagged for anything all blooming game long. So what? Why start getting pinnicky about tiny little details on huge plays that that could you know change the complete outcome of of a game out of seemingly nowhere? Um, you know, like I say, you've got a few penalties all game and then that. And I just think that in a similar kind of vein to what we're experiencing over here. VAR is ruining our football and and the NFL not being able to use the technology in the right way on some of these plays is, is ruining it ruining it over there as well along with the officials that said the officials aren't solely to blame for the reason why we lost this Super Bowl no, I just want to make sure that I put that out there <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, you know, ultimately the, the answer to that question is who knows? I, I don't even think the referee knows what an OPI or DPI is anymore. The, the rule's been changed at the beginning of the season because of the Saints game against the Rams last year. And with this review and this clear and obvious and then, and then all season some some OPI got called and some other don't, didn't and then some DPI got called and some didn't and then but you know by week three four five nobody knew exactly what a, what a, was the passing inference was and it reminds me of what happened the year before that where nobody knew what a catch was um, mm. and and unfortunately, on this play, it's cost it's cost us because if we don't have all this controversy and all these rule changes and these giving coaches the ability to challenge pass interference and and things like that, I, I don't think this ever gets flagged. Um, but yeah, I think it was min- minimal. I think Brian, you're right. The the Kyle Rudolph was way more obvious, and I didn't get called. Um, but, I mean, that's not how referees, re- re- you know, officiate during the day. They just either see or don't see it. Um, you know, Gareth, you said that this wasn't huge, but to me it was, because you're going at halftime probably cursing that they didn't call it, because uh, if you're on the sideline and in a stadium, you you probably see it a uh, hundred times. Um, and instead of going in the 13-10, you know, with a slight lead, which it, the points would have not matter, but I think the, the state of mind might have. Um, and spending 30 minutes thinking we had a good half rather than we had a decent half might have done, uh, you know, might have given us a better chance in the second half to to know to to have, you know increase the lead and have have a, a better game ultimately. But um, yeah, I think I, th- I think I, I really hope the NFL, you know, sort this stuff out. Because I've had enough of arguing of what is what is a defensive defensive personal inference or, or or no an offensive personal inference. It's just it either is or isn't. There can't be room for interpretation. Um, so um, yeah, and uh, you know that's that's why in soccer VRR is a bit it's a bit weird as well because I mean they're learning. Everybody's learning, so that, I'm sure they'll sort sort it out. But yeah, they, 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 we shouldn't talk about officiating. It's really annoying. Um, I want to talk about football. I don't want to talk about uh, human beings, you know, not being able to do their job properly, um, or you know, missing for a reason or another—it's it's a shame. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think I don't think it was. Um, even if it doesn't push him, I think he catches it yeah. anyway. So I, I, I didn't mean to imply that it wasn't a a, a big thing at the time. Um, just the last thing on it: if it hadn't been called, would Andy Reid have thrown a red flag in on it? And I don't think so. If he hadn't, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, you're right, uh, yeah, it's those those 50-50 call that you throw the flag and you probably don't get it because it's not obvious enough to overturn it. Is what does obvious mean? Uh, it's just um, when you're when you're a fan of a team, it's obvious to you. When you're a neutral in New York watching on the other, it's it's it shouldn't have an interpretation. It should have a clear rule and it either is or it isn't and then so the end of that. that took us to the close out of the first half tied at 10-10 starting the second half we've got a couple of talking points for for the whole of the half conservative play calling officiating blown coverages the perceived change from run to pass and jimmy missing open receivers so first up we'll start with the conservative play calling 
During the first drive of the second half, we moved the ball quite well down to the Chiefs' 24-yard line, where we ended up having a fourth and two. Given we were averaging six yards a run player, should we have gone for it on fourth down rather than kick the field goal? Yeah, I I, I think so. I mean, it's it's hindsight now. Uh, there's there's no harm in doing that. And Andy Weed backed his team to convert those fourth downs, uh, and we didn't. I think when all said and done, the one of the funda- fundamental reasons why we didn't win the game was we didn't score enough points. You need to score more than 20 points to beat the Chiefs. And when you get down there close, you, you need to have your eyes on those seven points. Not three, Threes aren't going to be enough to beat the Chiefs. So, yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen us go for it more. And particularly at the beginning of that third quarter, that, that was the time to do it. The game's, game's evenly balanced. Uh, they were, they were going to start in just on the edge of their own 20. So that, that would have been the time to see, to see us do it. However, you know, Kyle sees the game his way and it and it's worked for us all season. So, yeah, it's easy for me. I'm not going to get the blame when, when it doesn't happen, am I? So, I'm always going to go for it on fourth down. Would you have gone for it, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> it's so tight. If it had been fourth and one, yes, I think I would have done. But as it was the two, even if you, you are running at six yards of play... It's, it's such a tough call. And, and I think at that point, you haven't got the points at the start of the, or you haven't got the points at the um, end of the first half, have you? So you've got, you're putting something on the board rather than nothing in that position. Um, it's like, like Gareth says, it's hard to argue that point when Carl's been pretty much on point for most of the season. And, you know, again, you're asking big questions on your defence again to sort of put that, put all of your trust in them to go and get the ball back without, home scoring so you know it, it's such a fine line and 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 those tight margins uh, i think i think if it had been fourth and one he'd have gone for it but fourth and two i think he, he takes the points there and, and and he gives us the lead but that said that the way that a lot of sport is moving now it's moving more into the analytical data and and when to go for things and when not to go for things and being a sort of or being in the Silicon Valley, I'd thought we'd have had like the best young people coming up through this these type of industries coming into the 49ers organization and who can offer some of that on the spot and they may even have these, but we don't know about them that that come in and can offer stuff to Carl, whether Carl would take that advice or not I, I don't know I don't know whether he's where whether he would embrace that kind of thing in the sport but I know Baltimore have got one and it's been spoken about quite extensively on uh, different podcasts and even on during uh, the games that they've been playing this season I think it was they mentioned it quite a few times during the game that we played against them and it seems to be working or it did work for the majority of the season until they got beat so you know is that a a direction that, that the team could or should be heading in and if they haven't is there an opportunity or will they, will they embrace it if they haven't already? Or are they embracing it and we don't know about it? That is an interesting question. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I can almost guarantee they have somebody like that. Whether now yeah. they it's it's a live thing, so they get feedback live as saying, uh, you need to call this play now or this play is more... Because we don't have that much time, um, yeah. especially when uh, we know Kai likes to scheme everything, so he's... You know, but I can I can guarantee you after the game he will he will meet with 
uh, analytics people and say, right, so on third and whatever, you've got this, you know, this percentage rate completion and this, uh, pull everything in the basket and then it helps you prepare for the next game, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the fourth and two, I think uh, I'm, I'm with Brian on this one. Um, you miss point coming into the half. You, you cannot not score points here. Um, even though I would like if we went for a fourth and two, because I think we could have got it. Um, I think points and being on top is, is, is more important, especially when you play the Chief. You, you know, we talked about it during the preview. They can score any time um, really, really fast. Um, so, you know, putting yourself behind and changing the momentum of the game that just barely restarted is probably not a good, a good idea. So uh, I'm, I'm not, I, I like the I like the, the three points here. And it, it showed that it was right. It, you know, our defense went back, right back on and we stopped them with, uh, we, we stopped them and we, and we scored on, on the drive after that. So. So yeah, I think I think it was a, I think that was the right call at that time. Um, just to make sure you get some points and you, you you feel positive about the drive and not because you haven't played football for 35 minutes. Um, you, you know that makes you feel good again and puts you put your head back yeah. in the game. I think. Okay, so yeah. onto the topic that we don't really want to talk about but needs to be talked about, and that is officiating, where we have a few instances that didn't go our way starting with a missed defensive pass interference. Late in the third quarter, Sanders was held on a second and eight with four minutes remaining in the quarter. A completion would most likely have resulted in a touchdown as there was no safety covering. An official was looking directly at the player and there was significantly more contact than the Kittle OPI. Next up, there was an offside by the Chiefs with 9.47 in the fourth quarter and the Niners looking at uh, a third and 14. Again, no flag. And this offside was by a country mile. A blind man could have seen it. And then the player that everybody is calling the turning point, the 44-yard reception to Hill with 7.13 remaining in the game. We'll talk about the blown coverage a little later. Bosa was blatantly held by Eric Fisher on that play and Mahomes would surely have been sacked on that play. Yet again, no flag, even though Eric Fisher had his arm round Bosa's neck. We also had the Jimmy helmet-to-helmet missed call later in the quarter with 5.18 remaining and we were still leading at this point. This should have been a 15-yard penalty. However, in the interest of balance, I will say that Staley was actually holding Frank Clark on the same player. Therefore, I don't think we can have any complaints as there was fouled by both teams on that player and neither was flagged. And then lastly, there was a missed unnecessary roughness call with only 1 minute 56 left on the clock. Kittle was hit late out of bounds after the player had been called dead. That would have given us a 15-yard penalty or given the Chiefs a 15-yard penalty, and moved us to our own 46-yard line and a new set of downs with the score still at 20-24. So it was achievable that we could have won the game from that point. All of these pivotal officiating mistakes coming during the perceived capitulation of the Niners. What's your thoughts on the officiating overall and the impact it had on the end result? They definitely had an impact on the end result, but like I said earlier, they're not the sole reason why we lost. It, it was a combination of everything going wrong, seemingly all at the same time in in the sort of late stages of the game. It, it was it was Kyle with a play call in. It, it was a touch of Jimmy. It was it was the officials. 
it was our defense not being able to hold on at the end and it was and and one thing that we haven't yet talked about it was just KC being absolutely brilliant when it mattered the most and and how many times have we seen that when we were kids with the 49ers winning when it mattered that we were just brilliant in the clutch and unfortunately for us Kansas City were were brilliant in that in those last sort of seven minutes the Sanders one it was a clear hold if he's not held as you quite rightly say it's it's probably quite or quite possibly a touchdown the no call offside I just that blows my mind because we're all sat in the bar. It was two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, whatever time it was. I've never seen everyone in a bar all shout yeah. offside at the same time. Like you, you kind of, oh, that looks offside. Or, you know, one or two people shout. This was like everyone was up, like offside, and there was no flag. And it's like, how, how, how is this possible? How can they, how can they have not seen that? And it, not being funny, if 30 blokes in a bar can scream offside, there's a bloody good chance that that person was offside. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it, it's, uh, it, that was really frustrating. The hold, the, the hold on Bosa again, it was the same thing. I've, it was, everyone was like, hold in, hold in. If, if 30 blokes who are all drinking beer in a bar can see that someone is being hold, held at, at the line of scrimmage and not being able to get to the quarterback, it's a, it's a hold, you know, it, it's. Yeah, it, frustrating. It, it, it was very yeah, frustrating. I'd calmed down Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and, and now this is beginning <laughs> to really start to wind me up again. And and it's the same for the Tavarius Moore play. I think we discussed this at the start of the season at some point yeah. about receivers not turning their heads. He made a good play on the ball because he was looking at the receiver and he was sort of trying to follow where the receiver was going, which way he was going to go up for the ball. Unfortunately, he's interfered with him in the pro- in the process of doing that. And like they said in, in the in the commentary at the time, if you turn your head, he probably doesn't have it called against him and he makes the play. He might even make a pick. Because mm. it was that it was it was it was it was that much of the of the ball of the ball was there to be played at. He he could have he could have made the pick and that that could have potentially been a, you know, another huge game changing moment there. And I think I don't know whether that's the way that they're being coached or or, or what, but it's definitely something that they're gonna need to work on uh, doing this off season in terms of of what they're doing on these particular sort of plays. Otherwise, if they're going to do that all the time and and that's going to get thrown as a penalty all the time, then you're just going to be giving up 15 yards or, or you know spot of the ball fouls all the way down the field all game long because people are just going to start launching bombs downfield in the hope that that's the way that we cover. Yeah, yeah. I think Brian, you, everything you just went through is basically what we all went through. Is we don't really want to talk about it, but <laughs> deep, deep, deep down it does hurt and how many games have we watched where one one call one 15 yard penalty has just changed the whole complexion of the game um, yeah. something that I remember the Clay Matthews roughing the passer that wasn't there that got called and, and then the Packers lost last year uh, when when the offici- uh, you know when the officiating crew had a bit of a trouble with with that part of the game um, so you know, going through so many calls that could have gone easily for us um, and not getting them and and the way they would have impacted the game. And that's not to say that we could have we would have won for sure if we had the plays and and that's why I think it's never it's never on the refs, you know they, they they're not the guys scoring the touchdown out there. Um, but would have would have changed the momentum or give us you know a, a bit more life or, um, sparked something because you, you get a good chunk yard and 
maybe you just even just a field goal and, and you feel a bit better by yourself rather than punting. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's crushing, um, especially when it's as obvious as the offside. Um, and it's not even the fact that they didn't call it. That should be a free play. That's mm. you know that's something. If Jimmy sees a flag, because uh, he's rolling right as well, so he could have seen the flag, and he could have just launched a bomb to you know to Kittle or Sanders, and yeah, and you don't yeah. know you might you might score a touchdown on that play um, as a free play that doesn't cost you anything. So. Yeah, it's it's really it's it's just frustrating. Um, talking about refereeing is not something I like to do. Um, never, never did, never will. Uh, it's kind of one of the reasons I I've strayed away from um, you know football, European football, because it, because it's not fun for me. It's it's not about the game itself. But yeah, I think I think I think the the, the referees will look at it and they they would agree that that this wasn't the best performance that they had. But you know, we we touch on it. They've had a horrible year, I think. I've never talked about the ref this year, in various game in every way, uh, more than this year, and and that's not a good look for the NFL. Mm-hmm. I really, really hope they sort that stuff out, um, and and just get the uh, part part of my friend that shit together, um, and uh, and and sort that out. Cause, Cause you don't want you don't you just don't want to talk about it. But I want to talk about. How Mahomes is amazing, and how we were so close to winning this game, and it was a great game, and and here we are talking about missed calls. It's, it's a shame. So, Gareth, on Sunday night, you um, you articulated the officiating with some very colourful language. Do you want to articulate it in a different <laughs> way tonight? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't remember that. Was there is there sound on? <laughs> uh, I, I have been quite accused of developing Tourette's. For, for football matches before and certain <laughs> other situations. So I apologise for that. Um, but I think, yeah, out of all the 50-50s, I don't think we got a single one. Um, that's unusual in a game. You know, you you accept that you're going to get some calls and, and you're going to miss some calls. Mm. I can't really think the Chiefs would be upset at, at pretty much any call, call in that. Uh, there was, I think the offside, the neutral zone was the worst one because it's... It's a factual penalty. Everyone can see it. It's not uh, like some of the, the past interferences is maybe how the ref sees it or how it's interpreted. There, there's no interpreting the fact that they've started running before the ball snapped. It's, it's 80,000 people in that stadium saw it and eight people wearing black and white all missed it. Uh, that's, you, you think, how, how can that happen when it's that obvious? It's not, it's not a twitch. It's not open to interpretation. That was that's probably the most frustrating one to me. Uh, I, I did notice another one on the uh, playback, which was Fred Warner's interception. Uh, he intercepts it. He's tackled almost immediately. The play is blown blown dead. The players start celebrating, and a Kansas City offensive lineman lowers his helmet and just powers into Fred Warner. Now, Warner bounces off, and fair play to him, they just go off celebrating, and I don't think anyone noticed. And I, I didn't notice at the time, but I, I noticed it on the highlight. It didn't matter. We scored scored off that interception. But it was uh, another example about how something that could have easily been flagged and a, you know, and a big flag uh, was missed. So I think that's probably it on officiating. Um, you know the the officiating gods owe us some now. I think yeah, we've had some yeah. bad luck. So we'll draw a line under the officiating now. 
Okay, so back to one of those players that we did talk about, the officiating, and, and that was the um, apparently the miracle player. So that was a blown coverage by Mosley. He bit on the underneath route by Watkins instead of covering his deep zone on the th- uh, Chiefs' third and 15. This resulted in a huge gain and what was probably the game-turner on a player that should have been called back for offensive holding. Overall, though, Mosley had stepped up when called on and even though he's seen as a weak link in the defence, he didn't really do much else wrong in the game. What were your thoughts on the blown coverage and are we being too harsh picking this out on Mosley purely because of what everybody's calling the the game-turning player? Yeah, I think we are being too rash. Uh, I think I think Sherman had a worse game than he did, so uh, so it's not solely on him and on one player. The game isn't won on this one. Um, was it a blown coverage? Maybe uh, you can see him if you watch the the All Twenty Two coaches film. Just before the snap, he says something uh, to Jimmy Ward. Um, whether that is cover, you know, cover me, and I might bite under if I see something or. I don't know what he says, but um, was this truly cover three or was he was it a cover two of Sherman over the top on the other side? I'm not sure. The, the fact of the matter is that Pat Mahomes and, and Tyree Kill are on the same page and as soon as he saw that break, he just launched in the air. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know because if, if Mahomes... Tries launches it to to Watkins and you know Eman jumps that round and gets gets a pick. He, he's the best player in the league. And then if mm. if he gets to Tyreek Hill, he, he's blown the coverage and cost us the game. Now that's not that's not how the game works, unfortunately. I'm not. I've been. I'm, you know, he's he's one of our best finds this year. He's been absolutely amazing and called every time he got called upon, he he delivered. And one play is not going to change uh, that for me. It's a shame. But it happens, and um, certainly didn't lose the game altogether. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's difficult to be harsh on on a guy who's come in come and come in and, and stood up. Uh, it wasn't only that play; uh, a couple of times, Sammy Watkins, uh, particularly up against Sherman, he he found himself wide open at a few times during the game. I think it was really what won it for the Chiefs. They they were able to convert those. Uh, sort of chunk plays on third down, get those big receptions. Uh, and, you know, Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill have made cornerbacks and safeties look stupid all season. It's what they do. Uh, and when you've got a guy like Mahomes who can extend the play for so long, eventually receivers get open. You you can't cover them for, you know, as soon as it starts getting into that six or seven seconds, your pass rush should have got to the quarterback by then. If they haven't and the quarterback is like Mahomes and he extends the plays, your receivers are going to get themselves open. It's impossible to cover for that length of time. Um, so they're a really good pair of receivers. I, I wouldn't want to name anybody, but I I was immediately thinking on the on the train home. If you if we want to step up to that next level, we've got to be really hard on ourselves and 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 potentially the team and the personnel. Our Defensive line is elite. Our linebackers are elite, and our secondary isn't. But I'm I'm not going to blame anybody for, for for the loss. It is true. It is very true. Are you reading my notes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think on that that third and fifteen, it it was a massive momentum change in play of the game. I think it was the the play that that kind of uh, 
put the Chiefs on on the front foot and put us firmly sort of up against the ropes. And and there was it did look like there was some kind of miscommunication between the pair of them. But you just can't can't give up can't give that up on a, in the Super Bowl. And you know, like we said earlier, that that was the play that Bosa was held on. It's when everyone all screams holding, it's a pretty good chance it was actually holding. And I thought it was a pick as soon as it, I mean, it was like a 15 step drop, for goodness sake. When was the last time you saw someone run 15 yards backwards to make a pick or to, 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 to make a throw to avoid the pass rush? I mean, you just don't see it and unless someone is like scrambling and, and trying to make a play normally on the like the last play of the game on Hail Mary where they're just trying to buy time to get the receivers downfield. It, it was almost like a sort of a desperation for it. And as soon as he threw it, I just remember grabbing Andy Hodgson next to me and saying, this, this is a pick, this is a pick. There's no way. Yeah. Oh. Because yeah. <laughs> it, like it was like watching a punt, wasn't it? It was just sort of yeah. floated up. And I thought, we're coming, well, someone's, one of us is coming down with this. This is it. This is it. We're going to win. And no, and it just completely changed the game. And I, I think Gareth rightly said there, we, we've got a, a bit of a problem in our secondary. Sherman had a poor game. He looked like it was a, just one game too many. He looked tired and just looked like he needed help for the, which is probably one of the first time in his career that he just didn't look like Richard Sherman. Uh, I think he was the Kansas City Chiefs were five and five on him. And, and watching the 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 coverage back, you constantly through the game, Troy Aikman is going, well, Richard Sherman's one on one down on you know down the right side, or Richard Sherman's one on one with uh, with Watkins on on the left side and. Troy Aikman's obviously picking this up, watching the game. So he obviously knew that Sherman was having a poor game, was vulnerable and was there for the taking. So yeah, I, I know you yeah. asked about Mosley and that there, but it, it, I think it was just a, a the secondary just had a a bit of a meltdown in, in that fourth quarter. They, don't get me wrong, they played well before, you know, up to that point. But when it really, really mattered, the the whole sort of secondary looks, uh, looks quite poor for that last seven, eight minutes. That said, again, you, you can't deflect away what Kansas City did, what Mahomes did, and what those receivers yeah. did as well. You know, I think you have to give give the credit yeah, where, where it is due, unfortunately. I Kansas City were absolutely excellent in that fourth quarter. Well, from from about eight minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yep. So right. there was a change from run to pass, although it wasn't as dramatic as people would lead you to believe. With 11.53 left in the fourth quarter, we'd called seven run players, of which two were called back for flags, and 11 passing players, with the move to more passing players being called once we were behind. What were your thoughts on the play calling with regards to the amount of running to passing in the fourth quarter? Well, more passing when you're behind is standard. Um that's kind of the, the the way that it goes. Yes, we're a good running team. Yes, we can move the ball running, but at, at a certain point, you you have to go for the chunk plays. You have to get the yardage. Um, I just think we. I don't think we we changed who we were. I just think we lost sight of who we were at times, and and it we lost lost sight of what got us to where we were. I, I think we, you know, I don't think most of it was used enough early on. Um, Again, I said it earlier. I think I don't think Debo was used enough in the second half, and I don't think Kittle was used enough in the first half. We were the best team for what 53, 54, 53 and a half, 54 minutes, 95 yeah. percent of the game. We were the better team, and you know Kansas City were just clutched when it mattered, and it it just kind of fell apart at the end, sadly. And and 
I don't think we went. Like I say I don't think we went a, away from the running game. I just think we lost a little sight of of what got us to where we were through the whole of the season at critical times during the game. Yeah, I think I think what happened is um, Kai realised that we couldn't have negative plays anymore. That we needed to go forward to win this game. We needed to score points. So at at, at that point, I think he went and and he, he went into his high percentage uh, plays and. Mm. If you, if you watch the first half and every every so often we had a really bad negative play where it, you know most of us were running to, towards the sideline and lose two or three yards and we've had a few run plays stuffed and, and and every time we did that the chief were super stoked about it as if as if they were you know stopping an unstoppable force um, and that's what they set out to do. Um, so I think I think it was really clever to to go to these play action passes and. Uh, and and try to take just little little chunk out and make sure we keep going forward. And unfortunately, it just it just didn't happen. I think I think Jimmy didn't deliver enough good plays. A couple of bad throws. I remember watching. Uh, there's a, there's a throw to Kittle where I think if you throws him on the money, he, he goes for 75 yards after going through a couple of safeties. You know, but it's slightly behind him and he has to or in front of him and he has to slide. Um, to to catch it, so I, I think I think that's what happened. I think I think the play was were there and people were open and we just didn't execute. Um, I think this might be an unpopular opinion, something we we'll talk in the conclusion. But I, I think we actually played quite poorly uh, for the standard we had been playing all season, and um, our defense was okay, and we made the chief look bad for as Brian said. Uh, about 52, 53 minutes, but I don't, I don't think the standard was that high, and I think, I think it showed on on the play. When it mattered, it just, we just couldn't, couldn't do it. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give perhaps more, more credit to the, to the Chiefs there. It's, uh, it's always easy when we lose, we get introspective and we look at our team and look at the things we could have done. But there, there was another team involved in that fourth quarter, uh, and, and as soon as they had the lead, the Chiefs' defense just played like they were they were possessed by something uh you could see they were really up for it they had those those couple of passes i think battered down by the d line um they just made it really really difficult for us and we we've enjoyed it we've made good offenses look bad all season with our defense um and i think the tables were turned there and and we looked poor because the chiefs made us look poor um, yeah, I wouldn't disagree with any of the other analysis about the things we could have done differently. Um, but there was a, there was another team on that pitch, uh, and their defense really stepped up when they had that that four point lead to defend, and they just made it really difficult for us. Um, and, and probably the most difficult five five minutes or whatever it was that we faced all season. Um, so you know, I, ultimately, I think the Chiefs won the game more than we lost it. So, so sometimes I, we have to look at, at what we were up against. Uh, yeah, a lot of people could have done something differently, could have could have played a bit better. But hats off to the Chiefs. They they rushed, they covered, uh, and they they unsettled Jimmy. Um, and yep. yeah, yeah, agree Fair with that. Win. Okay, so on to the last talking point of the second half, and this is the performance of Jimmy. Now, this has been driven by a post from Brian Baldinger. He posted a video of five players where Jimmy missed open receivers. However, what I'd say, looking at the actual highlights from Game Pass, 
on two of those players, he was aiming at an open receiver, but not necessarily the best option from the open receivers we had. An example of this would be on a second and nine. Bourne was wide open on the sidelines. No defender in front of him. This throw could have sealed the game. An unblocked defender came straight through the line on that player and forced an early throw. Debo was actually open, but the ball was thrown too high. Therefore, Jimmy actually threw towards an open receiver, just wasn't accurate. Yes, there was a defender behind him, but in all sense of the word, Debo was still open. He, he could have made that pass. It was just inaccurate. What did you make of Jimmy's play in the fourth quarter? Well, it's, yeah, I think, you know, we have touched on it early and early, it, earlier. It's, it, it wasn't good enough. Uh, I think the, the Chiefs were a big, uh, a big part of that. Um, and Jimmy will learn from this. Uh, all of the rubbish that I've seen, you know, particularly the I'll oh, ditch Jimmy and get Tom Brady back for a season. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd rather if you're going to do that, we'll we'll ditch Jimmy and get Joe Montana back for a season because I think that's that's about as lightly as as picking Tom Brady. Uh, unfortunately, it's part of the game. If you win, that Mahomes had. For him, well, certainly for him, and, and even even wider than that, Mahomes had a pretty average game, and he's MVP because uh, he won. Uh, yeah. Jimmy is terrible and awful, and not worth the money because he lost. Um, I I'm not going to be too hard on him. The 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 Chiefs played well. The Chiefs unsettled him. A lot of little things went wrong. Uh, they were getting getting the best of our O line uh, right at the back there, um, and. Uh, you know, he could have done worse than that. It was, it was a, a learning experience. A young quarterback facing a, a, a really hungry defense at the real clutch time in the Super Bowl. Um, there we go. I've got nothing more to add to that, really. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think I think you touch on it. He's young uh, in terms of his playing years, um, and and. I think the moment was maybe a little bit too big for him. Um, when he needed to make those throws, he didn't. And 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 that's that. I'm sure if if he tries ten times the same play, he probably completes over fifty percent, maybe maybe even close to, you know, seventy percent of his of those those plays. And on that day, at that particular moment, in that particular instant, he just didn't. Um, it's sports. That's that's why it's so enjoyable to watch. If if there were robots playing and everything was easy to predict and we, we wouldn't be watching it. Um, unfortunately, it didn't fall for us this time. But yeah, you're right. The, the Chief defense started playing really well. They could tell that their offense started getting going and all they had to do was to stop us to win the games and, and, and they, they did. Um, so yeah, um, to, I, I haven't seen mo- most of the, the, fourth quarter, the fourth quarter because my game pass went down and I couldn't get it back up. I uh, was getting pretty tired at that point, um, so I was trying and trying, but I, I didn't. So I, I watched the, the few throws that everybody's talked about, and he's not that far away. Um, I'll take that. I'll take that over aging Tom Brady that can't throw for more than 30 yards anymore. Absolutely. Yeah, not really much to add, really, to what the guys have said there and to what I said earlier. You know, it, it, if he makes those three or four additional um, completions during the game, he doesn't make that interception at the end, and he's the MVP. That, that's that's the bottom line and unfortunately just wasn't good enough on the day um 
there's you know it, it kind of i hate saying it but it kind of is what it is isn't it it's, it's done now there's nothing yeah. we can do about it yeah you're not wrong <laughs> it's just all very well looking back at all the film you can you, you know you can shake a stick at but you can't change the outcome so he has to learn from it in the in the off season i'm sure he's probably already back in in the facility looking at tape trying to make himself better for next season yeah absolutely you know he said last off season he spent it trying to learn how to run you know this off season he can learn how to add that five to ten percent to his game yeah yeah okay so let's let's go around the table does anyone else have anything they'd like to discuss about the game and we'll start with you Naji. Yeah, a couple of things. So, first thing is, I think Damien Williams should have had MVP. Um, this lucrative that it always has to be a quarterback for some reason is mm. really annoying. I think if they don't have Damien Williams in that game, we win it easily. Um, so that that got a little bit on my radar. Um, but it's the NFL. That's the way they that's the way they work. The the second thing, and I touched on it earlier, is I, I think this might have been one of our worst game of the season. Um, Mm-hmm. If 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 we play this game, you know, during week three, week four, and we lose it, nobody even bites an eyelid at it and say, "Oh well, they played okay. They just couldn't finish." Yeah. But obviously, this was a Super Bowl. Um, it was a big game, and all our all our eyes were on us. But the DNA of this game is the exact same DNA that uh, I've counted, um, and we can go through it if you want to. But of ten games that we played this this season that went blowouts, that were really, really close game, and that small little factors during the game just went our way or didn't. But if you look at the Buccaneers game, the Steelers game, um, the both Cardinals game, the both Seahawks game, the Ravens game, the Falcons game, the Saints game, and the last Rams game uh, at their place, all of those games, uh, we dominated, we were the better team, and we let team hanging around, and then one play or two here and there, Things falling our way or not made that we won this game, and ultimately we won uh, seven out of those ten. And so I'm going to trust our team is is well built. And as I said, I think if we play the same game with the same plays, uh, maybe you know uh, one of those machines uh, that we talked earlier, those analytics. If we run all of these a hundred times, I'm pretty sure we come out on top. Uh, over fifty percent of those time, um, so 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 that's it. Uh, to me, it makes me feel a bit better, and I look forward to next season and see what this team can improve on and and make sure we can put people away, because that's one thing I think we we need to learn to do is put games away. I think the Falcon, the Falcon games, the, uh, the the Seahawks game, we could have done that, we didn't, and we didn't in the Super Bowl. We could have done it in the Super Bowl, and you know, make this game my prediction, make Pat Mahomes look really bad and. And, and win by by 20 points, and we we were this close. And I, I think I, we all feel bad now, but I, I'm sure in, you know next year when we lift in Lombardy and we look back on it, we'll be like, this was a great, it was a it was a good learning point um, in our franchise, and and I think we wouldn't have it any other way. Um, what an amazing season! Just a just so so short, so so Brian? short, so short. Yeah, not really about the game, just just about the the kind of the evening really I, I thought the meetup was absolutely brilliant despite the result it was great to meet everybody uh, great to meet you know uh, some uh, some of the guys that have been on the podcast this year um, hopefully made more friends up there hopefully made more bonds for 
for life and all that will continue over over time supporting the team and for many more meetups and events together as as well as the podcast really so that like i say it was good to to meet some some new people and and, and make new friends and everything but yeah it was it still hurts still 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 yeah. painful yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's gonna, it's gonna it's gonna sting for a long time it's, it's like every, every time i think i'm getting over it it's like someone pours some salt and vinegar into the wound and uh i was quite hung over monday morning went for a run around newcastle um which definitely woke me back up again because i wasn't feeling particularly great but um at least i yeah. got out for my run yeah. <laughs> like some of the other people that i went <laughs> up with um but i know i can honestly say as well that it was a nice monday afternoon um me and jay pretty much just uh wander around newcastle aimlessly like lost two lost souls not quite sure what to do with with ourselves and stuff uh and we eventually ended up in a uh, franchise coffee shop and we basically just recorded this podcast uh with just the two of us uh, it was the greatest podcast that's never been recorded and and it was great because it, it was like a an additional therapy because i'm sure that many of us have watched super bowls over time or you know championship games and stuff and you just go to bed at four o'clock in the morning or you you know you stay up and then and then you've got the day off the monday after and you sulk and you stew and you watch it back or you don't watch it back and then you go to work on Tuesday after the Super Bowl or you know after these big games and all the people that know absolutely nothing about NFL American football oh what happened to your team there and you're just, and you're just tired and, and so sick of explaining it to people who don't really care don't understand um, so yeah we it was really nice to actually have someone to to just bounce off for basically sort of three hours while we just sat there and, and talked a load of nonsense and about the game and everything else. So I don't know about anyone else, whether they got anything out of it over the weekend, but that those kind of two things for me was, was really good. It was, it was nice to have someone to talk to afterwards and, and it makes a change from just sitting, reading all the boneheads on social media who are completely <laughs> overreacting to everything that's going on. They're on the edge of the bloody ledge. They, they're, you know they've got the rope they've got the sharp objects just 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 walk away from the internet leave it alone go and get go and get yourself a football friend and talk about football listen to a podcast listen to sensible people just go out there and, and be nice people just just you know we're, we all go through these this in our own little way in our own little bubbles some of us are going to get aggressive some of us are just going to chill out some of us never want to talk about football until september ever again some of us will indulge in every single bit of film and whatever we can you know just 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 go out and just try and get on with life and enjoy it it's happened there's nothing we can do about it i'm really frustrated again having dissected all this down but it's been good it's been good you you know you guys are the best this podcast definitely helps oh. i've had to put it off my chest so it's uh I'd have just been if I didn't have this podcast and if I didn't have you guys on Sunday, I'd probably still be sulking in a fetal position, <laughs> work sick, winding people up at work because I'm peed off and not being particularly good at my job for the week. And yeah, it's just uh, you know, it's good. You guys are great, and I've got a real long positive that I want to finish on, but I'll let Gareth take the stage for a little while now. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. Um... Monday, Monday was tough. I think I yeah. spent much of Tuesday swearing, particularly at my laptop, which has got a bit slow, and, and it got an inordinate amount of of abuse on on Tuesday. Uh, and then then I woke up Wednesday and was thinking, ah, there's mock drafts out now. There's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, and it's I, nice I, when I, you're I, looking February, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 
I, I was right back up to it because I, I'm I'm not going to let what was what was a great night for great company and has been a, been a great year supporting the 49ers uh, be be lost on one game. Effectively, 31 teams end up a season disappointed. Uh, it's a it's a brutal league, the NFL with with its structure. Uh, we hugely overachieved. I think we've you know we we've only got maybe 80 85 percent of the personnel we want. Um, and if you think we're going to get people like Trent Taylor and Jalen Hurd, who are already in the building, we're going to get them back next year. If you think that Debo's going to be five percent better, imagine Bosa being ten percent better. Uh, if Jimmy's ten percent better, you start adding all that up, and you think, well, if we can add someone in the draft, if if we can, I I, I really think we're basically perhaps two playmakers, um, two improvements away from being being absolutely dominant as in one of the best teams the league's ever seen uh and that's that's two three years ahead of where i thought we'd be um for anything of my criticism that i've said this evening i would give shanahan and lynch the six-year extension now um get them planning for the long term look how long the chiefs have stuck with andy reed um and how many times have they said oh you know when when teams have bounced in and out of sort of playoff contention maybe going one and done in the playoffs um and they they've stuck with him and now he's a hero um you know i think shanahan and lynch are are the guys who've delivered this for us uh at least one if not two years early um the team they have built and built in their image uh and, and the strength and the attitude uh and and the way the team conduct themselves uh it, I, I don't think I've really seen an NFL team that that hasn't got some of those players where you just think, "Oh, shut up," or "Or why are you saying that?" or, or just some sort of attitude. Um, and we don't have any of those people in the building. Uh, I'm so so pumped for the future. Uh, and yeah, it's been great to go to meetups, and it's been great to be having some some good lads to share it with. Um, and I, I was really pleased to see the little roulette wheel. Um, on your phone, Lee, when it's spun up with the first winner <laughs> of the prize. <laughs> uh, on, on Sunday night, I, I, I think it's, uh, it was a very deserving well, I've, winner. I've got to say, it, it was. That, that was my worst nightmare come true, that was. So, Nadji, you'll be unaware, but um, <laughs> I had arranged for some stuff to be sent across from Santa Clara as giveaways for the members that turned up as a thank you for coming up to the meet-up. Um, I had initially said I, I didn't want to be part of it. I wasn't going to put my name in. I would just do the draw, and I'm happy for other people to to win the prizes. But then all the admin ganged up on us and said, no, we're not doing this draw unless your name's in there. So my name went in. Obviously, I'm drawing the, um, the draw using this uh, magic uh, wheel app, this decision maker, and my name comes out first. <laughs> I, I was wishing for the ground to open up and swallow me. I was that embarrassed. It was it was the nightmare I'd been living all week. What happens if my name comes up first? And it did. <laughs> <laughs> so you just keep all the prices and run away. <laughs> I think it was a popular result in the room, so it was. And then it so was that the made it even worse. <laughs> <laughs> so the second person that came up. His surname was also Gowland, <laughs> and it happened to be my nephew. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Rigged. Obviously rigged. So I had an uncomfortable <laughs> five, ten minutes there as we started the draw. <laughs> right, Brian, do you want to uh, give us your last positive? 
yeah, I just want to say that talk a little bit about the future, really. And I, I think the the future of the team is in really good hands. We're in a good position. The the arrow is pointing up. Um, it, I think we will go back to the Super Bowl. I think we will win it. Um, I will be um, selling my or buying shares in Brasso, I should say, and, and, and then trying to sell them next February. Um, the, the, the thing that's going to happen now is every talking head is all, all, and every TV show, every radio show, ESPN and all those other know-nothing people, they're all going to be have all their eyes on Jimmy, all their eyes on Carl. So th- they're under pressure now so that they have to go and deliver this season. Um, and if they don't, God help them, because this it, is going to get worse. So the, there will be pressure, but I dare dare people to name me another head coach and, and GM that you'd take right now as a pairing, you know, or individually over the two that we've got to take this team forward to number six. You know, there's going to be some interesting movements with the contracts over the summer. I, I can I can imagine that Buckner and Kittle will probably be re-signed, renegotiated at some point. Armstead, he seems to be open to, to coming back, but I don't know how much that is him, how much pressure he's going to get from from his agent. Uh, the, the same goes for, for Jimmy Ward. If, if there's desperate to come back because they want to win a Super Bowl, will they take a discounted deal to stay? We'll, you know, we'll see. So, and if you kind of look at the, the situation, the 49ers have managed this cap to, to make a run at it in 2019, in 2020, in 2021 and beyond. So this window, it's not closing. It's still wide open. The team's in a place to succeed, as um, Gareth rightly went through earlier. I'm pretty sure he's been looking at my notes. We've got a young, good quarterback. We've got a brilliant stable of running backs. We've got the best tight end in the league. We've got the best fullback in the league. We've got a good young core of wide receivers. That's probably only maybe one one receiver away from being there. And, and those may already be in the building um, in Hurd and Taylor. We've probably got the best defensive line in the league. We've probably got a top three group of linebackers in the league. We do have a secondary that is going to need an upgrade. And we've got nearly all of our coaches coming back next season, which puts us in a brilliant position to, to succeed. So this isn't a one-off. Um, I trust John and Carl to continuously put us in a position to win. I trust Parag Marate to work his contract magic and bounce back better than we did after the Ravens Super Bowl loss where we got back to the championship game and then it just spiralled. Nearly everyone on the team is young. They're a young team who are they're posting on social media about revenge. I'm pretty sure that if they won, they would be using the word repeat. I've got absolutely no doubts about that whatsoever. Um, free agency, I think Kyle and John touched on this in the press conference earlier, it's not going to be splashy, it's not going to be flashy, we're going to go out, we're probably going to pick up a few little bits here and there, it's not going to be spectacular, nobody needs to get their knickers in a twist about who we aren't signing in in, in the off-season, so it wouldn't be a surprise to see us trade out a raid round one to get a, a lower pick, maybe trade away two or three pieces in the roster to make space for some more younger draft picks coming up on smaller contracts, um, so yeah, the, you know the, we're we're in a good position. So nobody needs to you know sweat the you know the hard stuff out. It's we're 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 pointing up. Um, in some ways, that said, I am glad that the season is over because I do need to rest. Those last five games that went to the last play of the game, the playoffs and the Super Bowl, just yeah. it, it just drained me. Uh, if you imagine we're all doing this, um, or you know we're all trying to watch this at ungodly hours, and we're all working full time jobs. I've got a part time volunteer job as well. I'm also training for a marathon, so like everything is just going on at the minute. So I'm quite looking forward to the rest. That said, I'm looking forward to the free agency editions of the podcast, the draft editions, schedule release, planning next season's meetups, 
everyone must drink cider in Bristol. I'll allow one or two people that I spoke to that don't drink to, to yeah. I'll allow the one or two people that don't drink to, to just have apple juice. That's fine. But everyone must have a cider when they come to Bristol. Uh, let's learn from the mistakes this yeah. year and put it right. I'll drop the mic there. Oh, wow. Well <laughs> Great, guys. Thank you very much for joining me on the review show. It's been a pleasure all season long to talk Niner football with you. It has, really. Really well. It's been fun. It's been really fun. Let's not it it, And it's really added, I think, something to... To, hopefully to everybody in the group you know there's been some some kind words about it so uh i i think it's a it's hugely valuable um the work that that you do thank lee you. And, and the other admins okay so Definitely. thank you to everyone that takes time to download and listen to the podcast don't worry today's show isn't the last until next season we do intend to produce further shows in the off season to cover the likes of free agency period the draft and also a few special shows that we are aiming to get set up. As for the group and how we look to progress, Gia has recently posted about merchandise as the question has been asked by several people and we will be evaluating our options, concentrating on the most popular items that have been identified as desirable. Our next meetup will be in Bristol. However, we don't know the date until the schedule is released in late April. We have secured a deal with Grosvenor Casino across the whole of the UK to enable us to receive the same sort of package as what we had for the Super Bowl meetup. And we are now actually a, a verified and preferred client of Grosvenor. Um, so once we give the name 49 Faithful UK and it'll either be myself or one of the other admin who, who contact Grosvenor, they already know about us and will be accepted as a client of theirs. We are also investigating the possibility of arranging a group meetup in San Francisco for a game next season. We we don't currently know how this is going to work, but we will provide details once we've had a chance to discuss the logistics. It seems as though it's a, it's a very popular idea, but obviously it's also cost prohibitive for some people. So we need to work mm -hmm. out when the cheapest time to go is, who's going to go, who's going to actually commit to that and organise it that way. Right, I'll sign off by saying that this season has far exceeded my personal expectations and I'm actually looking forward to moving into an off-season that would be full of optimism for a change. We're certainly not a one-and-done team like mm -hmm. Brian has said. We're not like the Rams and we are built to compete for an extended period of time. So until the next show, guys, go Niners. Breaking go news. Breaking go news. We've got the breaking news uh, jingle. Oh. Browns set to hire Joe Woods as their defensive coordinator. So our defensive backs coach is reportedly to sign as the Cleveland Browns defensive coordinator. So there you go. So most of the staff are coming back, but he looks like one who's going to fly the nest. That, that's a shame because I think the defensive backs have improved under him. Definitely. Definitely okay, so on that breaking news, once again, go Niners. <laughs> <laughs>